Chapter Four of Louise de la Valliere. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Robert Snowza, Houston, Texas, March 2013. Louise de la Valliere by Alexandre Dumas. Chapter Four: The Rat and the Cheese. D'Artagnan and Porthos returned on foot, as D'Artagnan had set out. When D'Artagnan, as he entered the shop of the Pilon d'Or, announced to Planchet that Monsieur de Vallon would be one of the privileged travellers, and as the plume in Porthos's hat made the wooden candle suspended over the front jingle together, a melancholy presentiment seemed to eclipse the delight Planchet had promised himself for the morrow. But the grocer had a heart of gold, ever mindful of the good old times, a trait that carries youth into old age. So Planchet, notwithstanding a sort of internal shiver checked as soon as experienced received porthos with respect mingled with the tenderest cordiality porthos who was a little cold and stiff in his manners at first on account of the social difference existing at that period between a baron and a grocer soon began to soften when he perceived so much good feeling and so many kind attentions in planchet he was particularly touched by the liberty which was permitted him to plunge his great palms into boxes of dried fruits and preserves, into sacks of nuts and almonds, and into the drawers full of sweetmeats, so that, notwithstanding Planchet's pressing invitations to go upstairs to the entresol, he chose as his favorite seat during the evening which he had to spend at Planchet's house, the shop itself, where his fingers could always fish up whatever his nose detected, the delicious figs from Provence, filberts from the forest, Tours plums were subjects of his uninterrupted attention for five consecutive hours. His teeth, like millstones, cracked heaps of nuts, the shells of which were scattered all over the floor, where they were trampled by every one who went in and out of the shop. Porthos pulled from the stalk with his lips at one mouthful bunches of the rich muscatel raisins at their beautiful bloom, half a pound of which passed in one gulp from his mouth to his stomach. In one of the corners of the shop, Planchet's assistants huddled together, looking at each other without venturing to open their lips. They did not know who Porthos was, for they had never seen him before. The race of those titans who had worn the curios of Hugh Capet, Philip Augustus, and Francis I had already begun to disappear. They could hardly help thinking he might be the ogre of a fairy tale who was going to turn the whole contents of Planchet's shop into his insatiable stomach, and that, too, without in the slightest degree displacing the barrels and chests that were in it. Cracking, munching, chewing, nibbling, sucking, and swallowing, Porthos occasionally said to the grocer, "'You do a very good business here, friend Planchet. "'He will very soon have none at all to do if this sort of thing continues,' grumbled the foreman, who had Planchet's word that he should be his successor." In the midst of his despair, he approached Porthos, who blocked up the whole of the passage leading from the back shop to the shop itself. He hoped that Porthos would rise, and that this movement would distract his devouring ideas. "'What do you want, my man?' asked Porthos affably. "'I should like to pass you, monsieur, if it is not troubling you too much.' "'Very well,' said Porthos. "'It does not trouble me in the least.' At the same moment he took hold of the young fellow by the waistband, lifted him off the ground, and placed him very gently on the other side, smiling all the while with the same affable expression. As soon as Porthos had placed him on the ground, the lad's legs so shook under him that he fell back upon some sacks of corks, 
but noticing the giant's gentleness of manner he ventured again and said ah monsieur pray be careful what about inquired porthos you are positively putting a fiery furnace into your body how is that my good fellow all those things are very heating to the system which raisins nuts and almonds yes but if raisins nuts and almonds are heating there's no doubt at all of it monsieur honey is very cooling said porthos stretched out his hand towards a small barrel of honey which was open and he plunged the scoop with which the wants of the customers were supplied into it and swallowed a good half-pound at one gulp i must trouble you for some water now my man said porthos in a pail monsieur asked the lad simply no in a water-bottle that will be quite enough and raising the bottle to his mouth as a trumpeter does his trumpet he emptied the bottle in a single draught planchet was agitated in every fibre of propriety and self-esteem however a worthy representative of the hospitality which had prevailed in early days he feigned to be talking very earnestly with d'artagnan and incessantly repeated ah monsieur what a happiness what an honour what time shall we have supper planchet inquired porthos i feel hungry the foreman clasped his hands together the two others got under the counters fearing porthos might have a taste for human flesh we shall only take a sort of a snack here said d'artagnan and when we get to planchet's country seat we'll have supper ah, ah we are going to your country house planchet said porthos so much the better you overwhelm me monsieur le baron de monsieur le baron had a great effect upon the men who detected a personage of the highest quality in an appetite of that kind this title too reassured them they had never heard that an ogre was ever called monsieur le baron i will take a few biscuits to eat on the road said porthos carelessly and he emptied a whole jar of aniseed biscuits into a huge pocket of his doublet my shop is saved exclaimed planchet yes as the cheese was whispered the foreman what cheese the dutch cheese inside which a rat had made his way and we found only the rind left planchet looked around his shop and observing the different articles which had escaped porthos's teeth he found the comparison somewhat exaggerated the foreman who remarked what was passing in his master's mind said take care he has not gone yet have you any fruit here said porthos as he went upstairs to the entresol where it had just been announced that some refreshment was prepared alas thought the grocer addressing a look at d'artagnan full of entreaty which the latter half understood as soon as they had finished eating they set off it was late when the three riders who had left paris about six in the evening arrived at fontainebleau the journey passed very agreeably porthos took a fancy to planchet's society because the latter was very respectful in his manners and seemed delighted to talk to him about his meadows his woods and his rabbit warrens porthos had all the taste and pride of a landed proprietor when d'artagnan saw his two companions in earnest conversation he took the opposite side of the road and letting his bridle drop on his horse's neck separated himself from the whole world as he had done from porthos and from planchet the moon shone softly through the foliage of the forest the breezes of the open country rose deliciously perfumed to the horses nostrils and they snorted and pranced along delightedly porthos and planchet began to talk about hay crops planchet admitted to porthos that in the advanced years of his life he had certainly neglected agricultural pursuits for commerce but that his childhood had been passed in picardy in the beautiful meadows where the grass grew as high as the knees and where he had played under the green apple trees covered with red-cheeked fruit he went on to say that he had solemnly promised himself that as soon as he should have made his fortune he would return to nature 
and end his days as he had begun them as near as he possibly could to the earth itself where all men must sleep at last eh, eh said porthos in that case my dear monsieur planchet your retirement is not far distant how so why you seem to be in the way of making your fortune very soon well we're getting on pretty well i must admit replied planchet come tell me what is the extent of your ambition and what is the amount you intend to retire upon there is one circumstance monsieur said planchet without answering the question which occasions me a good deal of anxiety what is it inquired porthos looking all round him as if in search of the circumstance that annoyed planchet and desirous of freeing him from it why formerly said the grocer you used to call me planchet quite short and you would have spoken to me then in a much more familiar manner than you do now certainly certainly i should have said so formerly replied the good-natured porthos with an embarrassment full of delicacy but formerly formerly i was monsieur d'artagnan's lackey is not that what you mean well if i am not quite his lackey i am as much as ever i was his devoted servant and more than that since that time i have had the honor of being in partnership with him oh oh said porthos what has d'artagnan gone into the grocery business no no said d'artagnan whom these words had drawn out of his reverie and who entered into the conversation with that readiness and rapidity which distinguished every operation of his mind and body it was not d'artagnan who entered into the grocery business but planchet who entered into a political affair with me yes said planchet with mingled pride and satisfaction retransacted a little business which brought me in a hundred thousand francs and monsieur d'artagnan two hundred thousand oh oh said porthos with admiration so that monsieur le baron continued the grocer i again beg you to be kind enough to call me planchet as you used to do and to speak to me as familiarly as in old times you cannot possibly imagine the pleasure it would give me if that be the case my dear planchet i will do so certainly replied porthos and as he was quite close to planchet he raised his hand as if to strike him on the shoulder in token of friendly cordiality but a fortunate movement of the horse made him miss his aim so that his hand fell on the crupper of planchet's horse instead which made the animal's legs almost give way d'artagnan burst out laughing as he said take care planchet for if porthos begins to like you too much he will caress you and if he caresses you he will knock you flat as a pancake porthos is still as strong as ever you know oh said planchet mousqueton is not dead and yet monsieur le baron is very fond of him certainly said porthos with a sigh which made all three horses rear and i was only saying this very morning to d'artagnan how much i regretted him but tell me planchet thank you monsieur le baron thank you good lad good lad how many acres of park have you got of park yes we will reckon up on the meadows presently and the woods afterwards whereabouts monsieur at your chateau oh monsieur le baron i have neither chateau nor park nor meadows nor woods what have you got then inquired porthos and why do you call it a country seat i did not call it a country seat monsieur le baron replied planchet somewhat humiliated but a country box ah ah i understand you are modest no monsieur le baron i speak the plain truth i have room for a couple of friends that's all but in that case whereabouts do your friends walk in the first place they can walk about the king's forest which is very beautiful yes i know the forest will be fine said porthos nearly as beautiful as my forest at Belle. planchet opened his eyes very wide 
you have a forest of the same kind as the forest of fontainebleau monsieur le baron he stammered out yes i have two indeed but the one at berry is my favourite why so asked planchet because i don't know where it ends and also because it is full of poachers how can the poachers make the forest so agreeable to you because they hunt my game and i hunt them which in these peaceful times is for me a sufficiently pleasing picture of war on a small scale they had reached this turn of conversation when planchet looking up perceived the houses at the commencement of fontainebleau the lofty outlines of which stood out strongly against the misty visage of the heavens whilst rising above the compact and irregularly formed mass of buildings the pointed roofs of the chateau were clearly visible the slates of which glistened beneath the light of the moon like the scales of an immense fish gentlemen said planchet i have the honor to inform you that we have arrived at fontainebleau End of chapter 4